Isaiah chapter 13. I want to preach this morning about the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord. Uh, beginning in verse 1. The burden of Babylon, which Isaiah, the son of Amos, did see. Lift ye up a banner upon the high mountain. Exalt the voice unto them. Shake the hand, that they may go into the gates of the nobles. Uh, on, in verse 1, notice how it begins. The burden of Babylon. Now, I've listened to a number of different preachers and read some, I guess you'd say, comments or commentaries from what many others have had to say about even verse 1. Some of them have said the burden of Babylon, and then they put in parentheses America. And then others say the burden of Babylon trying to refer to the Vatican, to the Church of Rome. And some of them say, well, no, this Babylon refers to Jerusalem and Iraq and Iraq and a lot of other places trying to place the word Babylon on a particular nation. But when we read on, it goes far beyond any one particular country. Let's go on now. I want to try to read to verse 11. Let me just go ahead and jump down to verse 11. I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity. And I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. Now I want to make a statement. I believe Babylon here is not referring to just America or to the Vatican or to Jerusalem or to Iraq or any other particular nation. I believe Babylon here in Isaiah 13 is referring to the whole world. Now, if you're familiar with Babylon, go all the way back into the book of Genesis and you see the beginning of Babylon. Nimrod and his crew, they built the city of Babylon. And they built the Tower of Babel. And they said, let us make a city and a tower and let us make a name for ourselves." Oh, they tried it, but remember, God stopped them right in the middle of what they were doing. They were actually trying to build a tower up to heaven. Now, there's some debate about how they were actually viewing that tower. But the point is, the Babylonian customs and religion, cults and mysticism, all these things started back at the time of Nimrod and they have filtered into every place 
in the whole world. Certain areas are affected more than others, but God said he was going to punish the world. Amen. The day of the Lord is what we're looking at. That's what Isaiah 13 is talking about. Now, for a Christian, we will not be affected by that because the Bible says we are not appointed unto wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. The day of the Lord speaks about the finality of the world. It speaks about the fullness of God's wrath, which is to be poured out upon the world. But it's not just going to be a little bit of judgment here in America. God said, I will punish the whole world. Amen. Nobody will escape. There'll be no hiding place for sinners. The only people who's going to find a hiding place are you and me. Amen. And the Bible says, you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. God is our refuge. God is our place of safety. God is our source of life. He is truly going to punish the world, all the inhabitants of this world, but those that have come out of the world, those that are in the world but are not of the world, those of us that know Jesus Christ is our mighty God, our great God, our Savior, and we love him and obey him and follow him, then this message is not to the church. Amen. But the church needs to know what's going to happen in and to the world. The day of the Lord will come. Let's read a little further. In verse 2, Lift ye up a banner upon the high mountain. Exalt the voice unto them. Shake the hand that they may Go into the gates of the nobles. I have commanded my sanctified ones. I have also called my mighty ones for mine anger. Even them that rejoice in my highness. God is not going to depend upon nuclear bombs to take care of things. A lot of people say, well, they believe that nuclear bombs are, are a fulfillment of certain prophecies. They may be to some degree, but God doesn't need nuclear bombs, amen? God doesn't need weapons of mass destruction. God's got that in store for the world himself, amen? The Bible talks about at times when one angel that God would send down for his judgment upon certain people would destroy thousands. Amen. God's got his sanctified ones. God's got his set-apart ones. God's got his mighty ones. Whether they be the angelic host of heaven 
or a crew of pagans upon this earth. God can take whatever means he wants to to bring wrath and destruction to this old world. The apostle Peter said, talked about the day of the Lord. He said, the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth and the works therein shall be burned up. God's going to do that. God doesn't depend upon the intellect of man and the scientists and the armies of the, the world to accomplish his will. If he wants to, he can use those things. But he's got things in store for this world beyond what man could ever do. He's a mighty God. Amen. He's the almighty God. And the world is going to face the wrath of an almighty God who is displeased with the world. Let's look a little further at Isaiah. Then we're going to look into the book of Joel. In verse 4, the noise of a multitude in the mountains, like as of a great people, a tumulous noise of the kingdoms of nations gathered together. The Lord of hosts mustereth the host of the battle. They come from a far country, from the end of heaven, even the Lord and the weapons of his indignation to destroy the whole land. God has become very indignant. His indignation, his wrath. I believe his, his wrath has reached the boiling point because of man's ungodliness. Our own nation has become a, a, a great place of evil. The Bible talks about Babylon. Babylon is made up of false religion. It's made up of politics. It's made up of military might. It's made up of things that men are doing to other men that men are destroying themselves. The Bible says God will destroy them that destroy the earth. God is angry with the wicked every day. People think God's just an old grandpa sitting in a rocking chair up in heaven. Or that God's a, a silly old Santa Claus up there. None the such. We need to honor the great God of glory. And we need to fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. People think they can just disregard the God of heaven and get away with it. People think they can just deny they believe in God and think it doesn't matter. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. That's what God thinks of people that don't believe in him. Amen. God says the fool has said in his heart, 
there's no God. Why do they use God's name in vain? Why do they use God's name for profanity? And then on the other hand, they say there is no God. Whether they believe or not, there's coming a day, the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord's vengeance upon this sinful world. When mankind will stand before God, every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But it'll be too late, amen? It'll be too late for the sinners, even though they acknowledge on judgment day that God is God. And beside him, there is no God. But when they stand before God on judgment day, they'll hear God say, Depart from me, ye cursed in the everlasting fire. Why? Why will God say that? Because God has warned the world. Warned the world over and over. God raised up the prophets in the Old Testament. God raised up the apostles and prophets and preachers in the New Testament. Even today, in this modern day in which we live, it still pleased God to save them that believe the preaching of his word. God's word is still real. God's word is not something people should take lightly. In Hebrews chapter 4, the Bible says the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing asunder of the soul and spirit. And is a discerner, an understander, in other words, of the intents of the heart. People need to fear God. Amen. The Bible says holy and reverend is his name. Men are wanting to be called reverend or his holiness. Men need to tremble at the word of God. Men need to learn that God is worthy of our praise and our worship. But Jesus said in John chapter 4, I believe it is, God is the Spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in truth and in spirit, for God is seeking such to worship Him. All right, turn over to the book of Joel. In chapter 2, in verse 30 and 31, And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. God's going to show great signs in heaven and in the earth before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. 
Many people don't understand what the day of the Lord is. It's a day of darkness and a day of gloominess. It's not something the world looks forward to. Used to, there is a saying. People say, well, it's not the end of the world, you know, because people used to have an idea that about the time of the end of the world, some things were going to happen. Judgment was coming. God would pour his wrath out upon this world. But nowadays, people just kind of joke about these things. They don't take it serious. Most people in church don't take it serious that the day of the Lord is coming. There'll be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. When people stand before God, they will hide. They will cry for the rocks and the mountains to fall on them and hide them from the face of him that sitteth upon the throne. People will fear on that day. Nowadays, they want their happy hour. Nowadays, people are seeking all kinds of entertainment to get their mind off of God. Amen? They've got all kinds of games. They've got electronic games. They've got games that you participate in. They've got game shows on television. All kinds of things to get people's minds off of God. They've got things to do they call pastime. You get to a certain place, maybe you don't have to do certain things like go to work or whatever, like you had to do at one time. So you got a little time on your hands. What am I going to do during this time? They call it pastime. Well, the Bible says the time is short. And that Christians, we are to be redeeming the time because the days are short. The days are evil. Amen. We need to get our mind on God. Amen. The Bible says set your affection on things above, not on things of this world. The Bible tells us to love the world means you do not have the love of the Father in your heart. All right, look at Joel 2, verse 30 and 31. And I will show wonders in the heavens. Let's go down to verse 31. The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, before the great and terrible day of the Lord. There's some things in the Bible that God calls terrible. Amen. The terrible day of the Lord. The great day of the Lord. How many times in God's word does it talk about this? I haven't counted them. But there's a number of times in the word of God that it talks about the great and terrible day of the Lord. Look over in Malachi 4 and verse 5. The book of Malachi. Right before Matthew. Malachi 4, 4 and verse 5. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet 
before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. God said, I'm going to send you Elijah the prophet before the great and terrible day of the Lord. Jesus talked about the comings of Elijah. The literal man, the natural man, Elijah, the prophet of God. We know the story of him from the Old Testament. How that he slayed the prophets of Baal. How that he scared Ahab. I believe Ahab was the one, if I'm not mistaken, that told Elijah one day, you are the one that's a troubler in Israel. Elijah said, no, it ain't me, it's you. Amen? It's not me, it's you. You're causing the trouble in Israel. We need some people to realize the source of trouble. Amen? The source of trouble, people are rejecting the word of God. Jesus said, if you will receive it, John the Baptist was the Elijah for that generation, for that time period. But Malachi not only referred to John the Baptist as the forerunner of Christ and the Elijah for that generation, there's coming a personage, a person with the ministry of Elijah similar to Elijah, similar to John the Baptist. But Malachi said, Behold, the Lord said, I'll send you Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord. God's going to have a message coming forth before that great and terrible day. A man or a group of men or a ministry will come forth in the spirit and power of Elijah to warn the people one more time, to warn the world of final time, to let people know they need to prepare, as in the book of Amos it says, prepare to meet thy God. Prepare to meet thy God. What does that mean? That means get ready. God is going to call you out as an individual, as a church, as a household, as a nation, the whole world is going to be called out. Amen. Prepare to meet thy God. The call of God is going forth. I believe in these last days, God is going to raise up a spirit and power in the ministry of his church of the last days to where they can give the call of God. Prepare to meet thy God. That great and terrible day of the Lord will come. It may come in our lifetime. I don't know when. No man knows the day or the hour. The Lord Jesus Christ is coming again. Amen. Christians rejoice. The Bible says we have the blessed hope of the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior. Jesus Christ. I look forward to that. That's a blessed hope for Christians. For those people that are following the Lamb of God, 
wherever he goes, wherever he calls us to go. It may be in this city or the persecution when it breaks out. The Bible says how that in the first generation they fled from city to city because of the persecution. We're going to face similar persecutions, maybe worse than the first generation ever thought of. But don't fear. Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, but I'll go with you even to the end of the world. Amen.